0: Hello and welcome to Failing to Save the Earth. This podcast is for all the water and land protectors out there. Those who have struggled in the past or are struggling now to protect our natural world. The podcast is devoted to the idea that failure is not possible when you're standing up for life. In the spirit of those who came before us and for the love of those who will come after us, this podcast is for us to come together, to heal, to forgive, to dream, to find our power, and to lift up the stories of earth come alive to defend itself. Because that is what each and every one of you are welcome welcome to our very very first podcast this is part of a six uh series podcast and i'm your host one of your hosts sheree foytland each podcast i'll have a different host and they're always someone who's just like badass who i love oh i cursed anyway badass who i love (laughs) you got Um, through
1: like 14 seconds (laughs)
0: I know. Yeah. So here we are. The the thing about it is like there's no real rules except to say that uh, we're going to celebrate each other. We're going to we're going to be good to each other. And I'm going to try not to curse, which I have already broken, (laughs) but we're going to go from here. Okay. (laughs) I may use alternative words, you know, but we'll, we'll get there. I'll do my best. Okay. Uh, So as I said, my, my guest here today is Karen Savage, who's one of my greatest friends. And we have just done so much stuff together in the last, like more than a decade at this point. And um, yeah, my kids love her and, and I love her kids. And so she's just going to, going to talk to us a little bit, but I wanted to tell you her bio. Karen Savage is an investigative journalist who has covered climate litigation, resistance to pipeline construction, juvenile justice, and policing. Her work has appeared in Drilled News, Climate Liability News, In These Times, Project Earth, Juvenile Justice Information Exchange, Bridge the Gulf, Youth Today, Truth Out, and City Limits. Karen is an alum of the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism, where she won the Sidney Hillman Award for Social Justice Reporting. And man, is she a Joe social justice reporter. How you doing today, Karen? Hey, Cherie. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm <laughs> good. I'm always good. I know. Uh, good to hear your voice again, though. Yeah, same to you. So check this out. Like, I know I read the bio, but one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot about with this particular series is I want to play like a game with um, each of, the, of my co-hosts. Karen, we're going to play like an award association game for a few minutes. Karen, are you up for that? Yeah, I think so. And then well, maybe we might discuss it a little bit, or maybe we just might move on. To the next one to how, how we're feeling okay sounds good all right your first word is story reporting how about journalism it's writing interesting <laughs> okay so i noticed that you, you put reporting on story and then writing on journalism is there a difference between those two between reporting and journalism yeah I report between telling a story and doing journalism for a social justice cause
1: There could be. To me, reporting is when you write the story and you have to talk to like all sides involved. And even though there may be one side that's, you know, pretty clearly in the wrong or has like oppressed the other side, you still, in order to do journalism, have to talk to them and get their point of view. Doesn't mean you have to let their point of view stand. If they told you bold faced lies, you can explain to your readers or listeners that they told you bold faced lies Mm -hmm. and explain how, you know, storytelling is a little bit different because storytelling to me is community members or individuals or people or whoever you talk to kind of telling their story from their perspective solely. And in that kind of thing, you don't always have to get both sides to me.
0: Okay. I got another one for you. You're going to love this one. risk.
1: Ha ha, victory.
0: <laughs> yes, people don't know maybe that Karen and I um, faced a slap suit. How many years ago was it now? Oh God, they. I think they sued us in 2014. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember getting served on my daughter's birthday. We were having a birthday party and I walked outside to get some supplies I left in the car. And they jumped on me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they couldn't find me. They wanted to serve me in my classroom. And this little was like, no, you can't go to the classroom. But you can leave the papers here. <laughs> well, explain why we got served. So we were we wrote this story about this company called cameras and how they had done what they called an independent study showing apparent, according to them, showing that for people who cleaned up BP's oil after the Deepwater Horizon disaster were not made sick by cleaning up the oil. Um so we wrote that and we explained like the history of this company and how it wasn't an independent study because they had the same PR guy cameras did, and BP they shared the PR guy. Um and so we just kind of went that out and they didn't like it one bit. So they demanded we take it down and we were like, no. We
0: are not. That's the whole point. we leaving it up. And so then they sued us. Yeah. They sued the shit out of us. Shizzle out of us. <laughs> um, yeah. And it went on for years. And like you did so much work in that. I was so just glad to have you with you. It was, it was a wonderful co-defendant. But yeah, that was crazy. And that was the one of the, obviously, that was one of the first times I could actually feel like that we did have a victory. So much of this work. And I know this that out there, it, it feels like, you know, you're trying to stop a pipeline and you're trying to, you know, help homelessness and the, the project the problem is so big and then when they come at you and they will with intimidation tactics like a slap suit which is uh what does what slap suit stand for strategic <laughs> limitation of public participation right right and we took that one all the way to the massachusetts supreme court and we won
1: yep yeah yeah yep. well right. you know they sued us first in new york the new york judge is like why are you even in this court these people don't live here so they threw the judge threw it out and then they sued us again like we were like yay we won we won we we're all excited for like four days and then they served us again and so sure. they sued us in massachusetts and that's
0: where we eventually like got done with it. The thing about it was like, we were so like bold and still like, we are not taking this down and blah, blah, blah. When on the inside between us, we had what, 10 kids? Yeah. person there's a little care <laughs> Not so much because they might take something from I me. Mean, we we didn't have anything. Neither you nor I. Sometimes you might even think to yourself, I'm doing this wrong. <laughs> but the more we looked into it, we realized, no, no, we did not. Like, this is true, you know? Yeah.
1: I remember like two distinct of what you just said. I remember one of my kids asking, me what they were going to take and where they're going to take my bed because I guess that was like the most valuable thing my kid could think that I have in the house (laughs) and I'm like no they're not (laughs) That is like 12 years old (laughs) it says there's not even a headboard at that point (laughs) I remember that and I remember when we first found John Richmond who was our lawyer and I remember being so relieved because he was like so calm and he's like no you did the right thing you're fine and that's kind of just what he said what you said and then I also remember telling the people at CUNY because when I went to when I started school while the lawsuit was going on and I was really afraid that they were going to find out that I was being sued and be like, okay, you gotta go. But yeah. it was the opposite. They're like, oh wow, you wrote the truth and they sued you and you're still here. Yeah, keep going. And they were really supportive. Um, awesome. And so I was excited about that. Yeah,
0: that's really cool. I, if I remember correctly at the time it felt like we got a lot of support from some places and not so much from others. Yeah, that was true. <laughs> <laughs> new word, new word. Popo. The popo. Oh, that's the next word? Yeah. Oh God. Um stay away. <laughs> that's two that's words. The word. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> it'll, it'll work. <laughs> yeah, okay. Stay away. I like that one. Okay. Let's do that. Let's stay away from <laughs> uh <lo laughs> What's the word I left over you? Sorry. Lo a la B. Uh, family. It really was like that, wasn't it? It was a lot of times.
1: It really was. If I had an image, the image that came to me is one of our friends was a very good coffee maker mm-hmm. with whipped cream and all the toppings. Oh, and yeah. I remember distinctly that friend making um, coffee for me and it was delicious.
0: Yeah. It's funny. how, like when you're in that kind of situation, when you're in a direct action campaign, start trying to uh, use your body in some way to, to affect change or to delay something. Um, it's funny how those little tiny, like little moments that you have that are just like, just a little bit of comfort. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) and they mean so much in that minute and that coffee (laughs) that was so helpful yeah yeah for sure all right uh last word and then we'll go on to the actual thing but how about uh failed cameras oh nice one they sure did they tried hard they did fail Hard, they feel hard. Yeah. Well, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. And one of the things that, you know, I really wanted to talk to today about with people is like what that it is that you feel like you do and, and what do you feel like, you know, your role is greater role outside of like usual labor labels, like, you know, obviously you're a mother, you know what I mean? Like, but but my my question is like how where do you think you fit in uh as far as either social justice movements or just inside of like humanity itself? Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I didn't say going to be an easy interview.
1: So I guess the only way I can answer that is that my role in social movement stuff thus far has been documenting and reporting and to make sure part of documenting is also providing safety because folks who would choke somebody out if there's not a camera around are a little bit more hesitant to do so if there are people around with cameras. So that's a role in storytelling and making sure that these important struggles for life, which is really what it is for the life of the planet, for the environment, or you know social justice are not forgotten or swept away by like what the kardashians are doing or you know what who whatever the last thing elon musk saw, because we sometimes get really distracted by like big quote-unquote major news stories Mm -hmm. and these other really super important things are happening that folks are not reporting on and so i guess what i what i would say is my i've seen my role is as one of reporting on things that nobody else wants to report i always like when there are other reporters around but the stories i seek out are ones that I don't feel like there are a lot of other people going to be there reporting on.
0: And where is that mostly? Where right. is that people aren't
1: reporting on? I feel like a lot of times it's resistance camps, and resistance to fossil fuel in- infrastructure, resistance in some cases to um, police brutality, or police killings. Although that's recently that's gotten much more attention um, since George Floyd and some of the other things that are going on.
0: Anywhere th- they're mostly social justice issues, I guess. Right. Yeah. I um, mean, I got to stop here for a second and tell you why I one of the reasons I I am doing you know this particular broadcast to save the Earth. One reason is because, you know, when you get to the end of a campaign, it is super important to look back and be able to tell your story because that is how you're going to define, like, how you are in yourself. What The words that you say are going to be what comes back to, from my perspective, what comes back to yourself, right, and how you feel about things. And, you know, one of the important things I want people to understand about this particular podcast is we didn't call it saving the Earth because, honestly, the Earth is much too big for one person or one group to save. And a lot of times we see people in these, like, little pockets of this little space and you're right, they're not getting what they need as far as like getting the word out because we all know that the more attention comes to something, then the more like, you know, it gets out there and, and things can change, right? So which is our ultimate goal always to make make change. Yeah, so I was, I was reading and there was this article and it said that basically that the uh, V campaign, our campaign in South Louisiana to stop the Bayou Bridge pipeline, the tail end of the Dakota Access Pipeline, Bayou Bridge, that it was a failure, that our struggle was a failure. And of course, I looked behind the website and realized that it was an oil media group that was saying this. And I thought to myself, man, I guess that's okay if they think that, but we did a lot of really good stuff. From the beginning, we had, you know, come up with a plan of what we wanted to do and what we wanted to achieve. And when we go through that plan, aside from stopping the Bay Ridge Pipeline, we can say we were able to pick, you know, all of those off. And even though we didn't stop the pipeline, we still came out with 11 acres. It's food, a food forest. And my, my first thing I want to talk about with you a little bit, I guess more, was how does opposing media, like our enemies and stuff, I mean, how much influence do they, they have over our story and especially when someone like you's not there to tell that story uh, you know th- they get to write the story at that point how much influence does that play in like traditional media also in a lot like i feel like how we see ourselves as social justice warriors oh, it's a big question i know which is hard for me to do both of them um
1: but i think i think that you're right on like the crux of a lot of the issues with telling the stories of like different movements and there's so much social justice resistance and and successes and and move you know movement building that has happened that unless you are really really deeply researching stuff you don't have any idea it happened you know i read something um i think it was bill mckibben wrote this morning i was reading it about lexington and how the biggest mass arrest on a civil disobedience you know situation in massachusetts history was in lexington resisting the war i had no idea i had no idea and i've lived in massachusetts for a long time Um, and so like stuff like that gets buried and in the, the people who are really on point and really selfless in so many ways in so many situations, particularly people who put their bodies on the line in the way that folks at Loyola V or Line 3 or some of these other um, resistance campaigns have done, it's so selfless. But it I, I think it needs to be, it, it's so needs to be amplified. You know, I think that the world needs to know that there are people doing this. And so like, if to the average person, if you're holding a sign that says whatever, you might feel really like you're out there, you're calling a lot attention to yourself. But in reality, it's just one thing, it's okay, you're doing your one thing. Um, and so telling the stories of all of this helps everyone see the connections and see that everybody has a role. And when the story is controlled by the corporations or the institution that's doing the arresting whatever the situation is then what they do is they you know cast all kinds of dispersions or doubt on oh these weirdo tree huggers or oh the you know why don't they get a job or you know all of these things and it's really it's a disinformation campaign is what it is um because they have no idea actually what has happened because they're not there they're not reporting on it and that is the message that gets picked up by media and not to not media although some of it some some, some media definitely deserves to be not. But even reporters or more mainstream outlets that are trying to report accurately and do a good job covering some of these resistance movements are under time pressure. So if you get a press release from the pipeline company, you'll go with it. You may not question it as a reporter. I mean, it's not what should happen, but it in reality is what happens. And that uh, every little bit lets the narrative be controlled by the company.
0: They have gotten so crafty too, haven't they? Like, remember they put out that video about me that was just, well... Hogwash. And then, um, like, they had just done, remember in that time that reporters just showed up at the gate? Yeah. And they were definitely from like a pro oil <laughs> place. Yeah. There's a consulting firm slash PR group
1: that's very, very good at that. They will, they have done that for pipeline resistance and they've got, re, you know, people posing as reporters and also for some of the climate litigation that, that's happened um, by different groups, different people. But, you know, it's definitely a tactic to both to gain information from the other side, but then also to sell information to the public and people that are reading things or watching
0: videos or whatever. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, the worst part is, is that very often, from my perspective, like they listen to someone in a uniform or someone who has power and they do that on purpose because like they're doing that to uh, devalue uh, what actually happened. Take, for instance, when me and you were at the uh, protest in Baton Rouge around Alton Sterling and both of you and I at that point were there as media people and very Mm -hmm. obviously so. I, I know that we had like press passes on and things like that. And that was the first time I actually remember that they absolutely targeted uh, the media people. And then when they had us all in jail, remember they had come on the news and people had showed me like, you know, they had come on the news and they had just said all this stuff that wasn't even true about what was going on that day. because They had absolute control, you know, and that's I think that's a tactic that they've picked up.
1: Yeah, my co-reporter that day, Marco, had gotten great audio of one of the law enforcement representatives um, talking about how the protesters that day were throwing chunks of concrete. Now, first of all, They'd have to be really strong to throw chunks of concrete. <laughs> yeah. But then somebody, I and mean, you couldn't tell who it was because it was just audio, asked the follow-up question. Well, was anyone hurt? And he's like, they were wearing helmets. <laughs> you know, and like beyond that, like there, there was one reporter and it was like a press conference, and probably many, many dozens of reporters at that point that were there. And only one person questioned that. And then when he said they were wearing helmets, there was not any follow-up. So right. like, how are but you? First not, of all, like, I
0: don't remember any ID helmets. And secondly, like uh we I, I have the video. <laughs> Actually, yeah. a as an now but um you know where we were all just kind of standing there everybody had this weird kind of it was kind of this weird feeling where nobody really knew what was going to happen there and the thing I remember most about it was how everyone was so peaceful and quiet in that moment before the mm-hmm. police rushed in yeah I remember
1: hearing there were like the, what are those cicadas mm-hmm. in the trees and it was so beautiful it was a beautiful day and um you know looking back after I at that point I'd covered quite a few protests and I have covered something and that group of people are among the calmest of all of the protests i have covered (laughs) right but they were met with some of the harshest response and and um brutality of of any of them
0: right and now a word from our sponsors just kidding we don't have sponsors
2: hello hello can you hear me now
0: does it feel like no one is listening
2: yes can you hear me now
0: Taking action in a vacuum will lead you nowhere, but just remember, you are the driver of your own story.
2: Hello? Hello?
0: Telling your true and personal account has power, and it can be empowering to share.
2: Can you hear me now?
0: A good personal story has an arc with a wind-up, a climax, and a conclusion. Keep it simple and focused. Remember to speak from your heart and experiences. Never borrow or use another person's stories or experiences as your own.
2: Hey, it's working, can you hear me now?
0: What? up? What's up? What's, What's up? up? Don't forget, the first step to organizing for social, climate, and environmental justice is not to talk, but to listen. What does your community need? Who in your community cares about the things that you do? By listening and sharing your story with others, you can never have failing words. And only then will you know what's What's up? up. So, how do you think it's best if an organization or a, um, an event or an act or something like that? How do they take control of their own story? Uh, how do you, like? I know we were very lucky that we had you, honestly, because you know you were always right there. So whenever something kind of strange was going on, uh, you know you would be taking pictures and video. And like when our friends got arrested in the swamp, like you know you you were there. I mean you were stuck on an island for a little bit but without water. <laughs> but, you um, but you know and but unfortunately, and I wish this was the case. I wish everybody could have someone like you uh, you know uh, but, but what can they do if uh to like keep control of their own story yeah, that's a tough one. And I've seen some
1: groups do a really good job. You know, they they put out their own media. They have um, trained up folks. So they do Facebook live streaming um, and do their own their own reporting there. And, you know, it doesn't, or Instagram live or, you know, different social media live streams, which is one of the most effective ways. And then to follow up with, you know, like there's a, say there's an action happening on a Tuesday morning, most, most people can't watch it, but then follow up with, you know, a shorter condensed, you know, minute and a half or so video explaining what happened. I think that that's really important to use those social media tools to their advantage and to also at the same time you know you guys reach out to me and said, hey you know this is going to happen and we'd love to have you down here reporting and it was just really good luck that I was able to you know for me that I was able to be down there because of my the way my schedule worked out but I would say to groups to also you know cultivate you know ask reporters hey you know we'd love you to come and be embedded and be here and it's also it's difficult though because you know as a reporter I think part of what people need to understand is that folks who put their bodies on the line are really risking a lot. So you have to kind of be able to be security conscious and not put anyone in danger by your reporting. So it, there's a lot of gray lines, but just find reporters that you can work with who you trust and, you know, try to to keep that going. And, and, you know, at the same time, if, if you're working with a reporter, like you guys work with me and, you know, I told you flat out, like I have talked to, to the, the law enforcement and get the other side, I have to talk to security, I have to talk to pipeline people. I have to do that. And because that is the kind of reporting that makes the story stronger. You know, if I was just out there on my own, saying, oh, this is what happened and that's what happened and look at how bad these people are. That is great. But the reporting with uh, with getting the other side and then kind of like saying, oh, but this is actually what happened. That is more powerful from the reporting point of view. Now from an individual doing media for the organization or for the campaign, that isn't, you know, that's not needed. Just keep that camera going. Keep researching. And, you know, if you find something interesting, you know, um, learn how to do public records requests. It's not hard. Right? If there's any group out there listening, I'd be happy to help you navigate that. Do research, do corporate research, do research on the CEOs, on all, you know, the, the security companies. Uh, know who you're dealing with, I guess, is a really big piece of advice. And then just keep telling your story and putting out the press releases with the quotes and making people available so that reporters who do want to do that work, the, the ones who I, you know, mentioned a few minutes ago that are busy and on deadlines and stuff, they can get in touch with you. You know, I think you seem to, have to do that really well. Whenever I was around you, there was always a ton of media and you were going from place to place to place, you know, person to person, trying to make sure that people reporting on the story got some time um, because unfortunately it's probably I know if I was in that situation I'd be like "Oh, leave me alone but it's really important to be that person that's willing to tell the story and one thing I think about lois Levy that really worked well is that you were very good at doing that as was Anne and, and a couple other people so that that narrative I remember the, the, I remember shooting in the swamp one day there were arrests and one of the water protectors that was arrested just had the like somehow the wherewithal I was standing there trying not to fall in the water or get pushed into the water. Right. and that person just turned around and started telling me what happened like kind of like they were broadcasting their own arrest and i'm like oh my god thank you <laughs> so that kind of stuff you know don't be afraid to as if you can do it and i don't know that i could but as things are going down turn to that camera and explain exactly what's happening you know so those are all ways and there's ways that young people are doing it today that you know what there's other advice out there so i i would also say stay in touch with other groups yeah. um because there's probably stuff going on that is successful that i'm not even thinking about.
0: thank you what what advice do you think that you would give to like a, a journalist, like say from one of the papers or any, any kind of media, and they wanted to like spend some time with an action camp? And this would be like water protectors, land protectors, like you know, what wh- what advice would you give them? I would, you know, <laughs> what was that? Bring mosquito repellent, <laughs> bring
1: mosquito repellent, bring enough supplies so you don't die in a swamp, but also bring a camper because it's beautiful. I, no, I would tell them before they even reach out, please do your research. Um, I know you dealt with it, and I myself. Even dealt with you know other reporters calling me wanting to know where how do I get to camp. Okay, you can Google that. You can like there's stuff that you can figure out without taking up a ton of everyone's time. Be respectful because people are busy. You know so know yourself before you going in. Go in with an open mind. Maybe do some research about other resistance camps so you know what you're doing and then kind of just like go with the flow and watch and learn. I learned so much from all of the people, um both in Louisiana and I was in Minnesota last summer from all of the water protector stuff that I had no idea idea how to do i'm like oh my goodness these folks could survive if yeah. you know something awful happens um you know i'd be crying and wondering where my like next meal is my next piece of pizza or something and it would be <laughs> awful surviving i'm like okay that's cool so be willing and open to learn and also please, please please do not just regurgitate a corporate press release because
0: that's that's actually just lazy journalism anywhere you go yeah yeah for sure i was thinking about while you're talking when we um i'm not sure if you're at this one but i know that i had talked to you about it when we when bp you know a lot of people don't know but like I really started this work around the BP oil spill and when and that's where I met you I met you uh we were dealing with that and you had already worked on like Katrina stuff at that point right yeah yeah Yeah. but I remember going to DC and I spoke with Hugh Kaufman and Mm -hmm. he's he's one of the original EPA folks to start the EPA and he's brilliant and I remember talking to him and we we were just I was really expressing how sad it was the number of people that we knew from BP who were really really sick because the stuff they sprayed on that oil and uh, because the oil itself too and then it was sad like super sad about the animals, but a lot of people didn't even hear about the human health effects, you know, and BP like just r- barely paid out for it. So the point is I was talking to him and he said, you know, he said, you know, you need to get those people in front of the camera. He said like, you know, go to where they are and get them telling their story. Their story is what the, what power is. And I remember just being like, yeah, okay. You know, and that's what we did. Me and you for the longest time, you know, I, I, what help me out here. What, what did we work on? We worked on this KXL. Oh. Oh yeah, no way, no a lot of stuff, you
1: the know. Sinkhole, yeah. The sinkhole. Yeah. We were to Africa Town. Um, went to Alabama to uh where they were going to do. Remember the guy that said that they were the community members who were told by the company they were going to quote unquote take the cancer out of their rocks. Yes,
0: remember the Everglades? They uh, we were going to put that bike walk thing all the way through the middle of the precious Everglades. Yeah, yeah. won that one. Yeah. So my point is, like, we can't allow them to continue to like have our to hijack the stories of who we are and what we do. And I think that they had a very difficult time doing that around the Dapple movement, and part of that was because of the story of who and the place that that they were, and all of those things. And so, um, yeah, I always think that's a good place to start. Like, you know, how do you, how will you tell your story? And I could have just went with the story that the uh, that the oil company came up with, which was like it was a total failure, good for nothing. I I just know that I just knew it wasn't true. I mean, and um, yeah, I, I just I just knew that we did some pretty amazing things that had never been done before. And yeah, that's kind of what this series is about a little bit. How do you turn those thoughts around in your head when you think that what you're doing is a failure or that you failed at it? I know, Karen, that you went through like some shit because of the work that you did uh, with with us. And then at some point, even though it wasn't true, at some point, you know, some people may have saw you as like a um, like more in us than what was actually happening you know, and I think they did that as a way to discredit uh, the, the great work that you were doing and, and the fact that the truth was coming out. And I just want to bring that to people's attention. Like, what kind of things do you feel like you had to deal with um, that was kind of, you know, state sponsored or, or socially done um, that kept you from, you know, doing stuff like telling, the, telling the story like, in what ways? Yeah.
1: And, and I'll go back. Can I go back one minute, though? Because you said something that I wanted to jump in and say that I should have said before, because it's always so in front of my mind that sometimes I don't say it because it's almost obvious Like, like you said, talk to the affected people, like the folks in St. James, which is where the end of that pipeline is. Those people that are directly affected by whatever it is you're reporting on are always the voices to that should be prioritized, you know, and sometimes reporters get that all confused. So kind of like that goes in with doing your research. Who are the people who are going to suffer at the hands of whatever is happening? Right. Um, So, yeah, that's really important.
0: More cameras are always the answer. Hey, Karen, I just wanted to say thank you for being on the show today. This is our first one. Yay! And uh, we have a lot to talk about, there's a lot going on, but I just always have appreciated you, uh, you're just an amazing, good person, and we don't know what we've done without you um, sharing our stories, because we didn't have that influx necessarily at Lois-La-Vie that other campaigns have had. But right now, I want to bring on my beautiful, amazing, wonderful daughter, and her name is Jaden Waitland she's my, let's see, what are you number, are you? Uh, I think I'm four, Number four. Yeah. Yep. Well, I want to let her just come on just a little bit to talk for a minute. And Karen, feel free to jump in here because I know that you have reported on her story back when her story wasn't huge. But now with uh, Youth v. Gov on Netflix, which is running right now, you can go check it out. She, She seems to be like a pretty good part of the movie. Have you seen it yet, Karen? I have not. I'm excited to see it, but I haven't watched it yet. You have, it'll make you cry. Get some tissue, really. I had someone come on my Facebook page and they were just like, it made me laugh. It made me cry. It made me laugh again. It made me cry again. (laughs) It really kind of does. I think I cried like three times. Aww. Oh, all right. I gotta watch it. What do you think about Jane?
2: I think it's really great. I I'm really appreciative of um Christy Cooper, the director of it, and all of her team. They were really kind. It was nice when they came down to Louisiana. They were very respectful, and they're just a really good team to work with. And I'm really happy with how the documentary came out.
0: I I love seeing you up there because you're just so beautiful. <laughs> and yeah, you know, I might be a little biased, maybe. <laughs> But yeah, it's kind of, it's really kind of a big deal because, you know, I saw Leonardo DiCaprio (laughs) had, did you see that Karen? leo tweeted about it i saw that i and saw there were a lot of good tweets about it yeah <laughs> yeah the hulk the hulk <laughs> is talking about Jaden and, and these 21 youth who uh, sued the government to take action on climate change in which our government has not done even though for the last 50 years they've been you know steady making things worse without a apparent care in the world it's about you know the constitutional rights of young people to an inhabitable planet and uh it's a really good show i i i uh I, I was really impressed. I mean, I've seen it in the past, uh, but just seeing it in that way, like on Netflix and knowing that people, how many countries is it? I don't
2: exactly remember. 30, I I it think. It was like 30.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's 30 different languages around the world. Yeah. I just can be more proud.
2: I'm really excited. Like it's, I, it's just a great opportunity, and just knowing that, like, it has that much like outreach. It's really, it makes me happy to know that that much youth will see like all the power that the youth has.
0: You know, like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Karen, what do you think?
2: I think it's
1: amazing. I think that Jaden and all of those those kids in v Gov have just been so brave. And from a like from my perspective, that's gone on forever. And from a kid's perspective, I'm sure it's gone on forever ever, and ever. Um, so I'm. I'm <laughs> I'm impressed that hanging in and how, you know, Jaden and everyone has really not just been part of a lawsuit and like had their name on a paper and, and gone about their lives, but they've really spoken out and been, um, you know, proactive and trying to encourage folks to, to pay more attention to climate issues and to, to get our government's attention and say, Hey, you know, we got to do something about this. This is, this is really a serious deal. Um, but yay Jaden, I'm very excited to, to, uh, to watch the movie and also congratulations next year. Um, I hear you going to college in Oregon.
0: <laughs> you Very they actually played, they had a public showing of the movie the net uh at the college. Wow. Isn't that cool? <laughs> that is cool. Wow, you're I mean, gonna be
2: famous before you get there.
0: <laughs>
2: it makes me kind of shy because I'm I'm really scared that there's gonna be somebody that's like, oh, in my class that we saw
0: because
2: <laughs> it happened to me at rain high and just going to college and having that same experience will be like definitely like surreal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like making me like really even more scared than I kind of already am. <laughs>
0: Yeah. well y'all can check it out on netflix uh yeah just it's in the i i i made the joke yesterday Karen, that it's in documentaries right i was like this shit should be in this shizzle this shizzle should be in true crime <laughs> Ooh, yeah it really should because it is bad it's bad but um yeah all right well y'all go check it out and i guess that's a wrap man that's like our first episode give me a high five. Ah! <laughs> Um, Virtual yeah, high five,
1: Cherie, I want to say thank you for having me on. And, you know, it, it's been like an amazing time talking to you. And I look back over everything
0: we've done over the last 10 years. I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, so I just appreciate you and I love you. And thank you. I love you too. It has for sure been a wild ride, but the story still it's not finished yet. We're still writing it. So uh, yeah, check it. Stay with us next time. Love you, Karen. Thank you. Uh, love you, JJ, of course. Thank <laughs> you. And uh, we'll talk soon, y'all. Yeah.